We're back. The Ethos Lakers show is alive and well, and you got both Ethan and JC coming at you in the first officially official look of the Lakers offseason from the Ethos Lakers family. JC, first and foremost, before we even get into it, I mean, just how the hell are you, man? It's been a while. We've had some time to digest what the Lakers did this season, or I guess didn't do would be a better way to phrase that. How you feeling? How's life? And how's your Lakers energy right now? It's good. It's good. Now that the season's finally over, um, trying to stay indoors as much as I can. So I watched a lot of the playoffs and was torn between, you know, not wanting to see the Celtics get another title or seeing Steph tie LeBron with rings. But I think in the end, uh, there was a lot of Warriors storylines that I was happy with. Wiggins, Toscano Anderson, Gary Payton. So, yeah, I think. You know, I think we were all ready for the season to be to be over, regardless of who the champion was going to be. And so I'm excited for the offseason. The Wiggins story is really it's it's really something And we, we don't want to get sidetracked here. But the Wiggins development was really something for the Golden State Warriors and really something for Andrew Wiggins. And obviously we hope to see some I don't want to say similar development take place with the Lakers. But, you know, if assuming Taylor Horton Tucker, which by no means is guaranteed, is on the team to start the year, I would like to see more than what we saw from him last season. Of course, you could say that about just every player on this roster, basically. We really don't know what it's going to ultimately look like. And JC, just a few days before the draft, the Lakers are, of course, once again in the news now. We've kind of heard this back and forth between Kyrie Irving and the Nets throughout the season. At various points, they've tried to smooth it over. But the most recent report from Shams is that, you know, the Nets and Kyrie are basically at an impasse and it could lead to some other teams getting involved, most notably the Knicks, the Clippers, and of course, our Lakers. JC, is this is this really, is this a thing? I mean, it's obviously, you know, it's, a, it's all contingent on Russell Westbrook and we'll get into that. But is this, is this really a thing? Kyrie Irving and the Lakers is a potential thing that could happen? Yeah, I mean, crazier things have happened. It seems as though either Brooklyn isn't going to be happy with whatever it is that Kyrie brings to the table. Either Katie doesn't seem to be able to control him or he doesn't want to be controlled. Or maybe he realized that he's not as happy in that situation as he thought he'd be. And this is sort of his way of kind of forcing them to force him out it I mean you never really know with Kyrie but I mean assuming it plays out this way where they're at an impasse and he decides to test free agency I would imagine that the two top suitors would be the the Lakers and the Knicks and probably the Clippers so all that part of the story does make sense but and especially with with Kyrie you kind of have to expect the unexpected and so and in that sense yeah I, I could see you know, A, connecting to B a little bit. Dude, what is going on in Brooklyn with the Nets and Kevin Durant and just the nucleus of that team? They all wanted to come together so badly, and then basically overnight they might just be Kevin Durant and what's left over. What What is going on in the water there? I don't know. And if, if I mean, if that's what ends up happening, if Kyrie ends up leaving and KD is there by himself, like whether – whether he truly can be a winner on his own, I mean, at this point in the league, I don't think anybody can be a winner on their own, regardless of who you are, whether you're LeBron or KD or Steph by himself wouldn't win a title. Could uh, not. So he's the way. Could not. Yeah. So if he's there by himself, it's not going to be good. I mean, the reality is 
that we just there's more NBA there's more parity in the in the NBA in this league than we've at least that I've ever really seen that I can remember watching you know in terms of really remembering what the level of competition was the playoff path et cetera et cetera right we watch games when we're five years old seven years old even eight or nine but it takes a while till you really start remembering those vivid type of details. And I feel like this is a league where, you know, 10 years ago even, you talk about teams like the Mavericks or the Suns or the Nuggets or Bucks getting into, you know, the conference finals or final stages of competition. And and people just look at you like you're crazy. I mean, before the year started, it's a perfect example. Obviously, the Lakers and Nets were considered, you know, powerhouse favorites, championship favorites, and largely because of the names on paper and not necessarily the chemistry. And that's the other thing, you know, those both of those teams just had – really poor chemistry at various times throughout the year, in particular Lakers. And let's keep it focused on them. That's a reminder to myself more than anything. Lakers chemistry was a real issue. I mean, it never made sense to fire Frank Vogel, not because of the impact he was not having clearly, but because you fire Frank Vogel, you put in some interim, and the team still sucks. So then what? You know what I mean? So, I mean, Frank Vogel was sort of the perfect lame duck in that particular situation and scenario. Now you bring in Darvin Ham, who if you showed that clip to Lakers fans of what Kobe had to say about working with him late night, they would have voted for his candidacy simply based on that, right? So now you bring in a new voice in the locker room. You bring in uh, the new assistant from Atlanta. You're supposed to be bringing in Sheed as an assistant as well, which is just gorgeous. Love that, Okay. But this roster is totally uncertain, unsettled. All you all you have right now is basically Westbrook, LeBron, and AD, and oh yeah, Austin Reeves and Taylor Horton Tucker. And then a lot of question marks after that, JC. So how do the Lakers figure out what this direction is going to be? Because they seem to be preoccupied by the idea still of acquiring that third star who's going to fit. Unfortunately, they just decided to pull the trigger on Westbrook, and this is something we've talked about before guys like Lillard and or Bradley Beal may have become available, which are obviously much more natural fits alongside LeBron and AD. Yeah, I think the biggest thing the Lakers need to do is whatever it is that their plan is going to be, they need to stick to it as much as possible. Uh, I was listening to to the Laker Nation podcast yesterday, and they brought up a great point with – in regards to Sacramento, it's like this offseason, do you think Sacramento is going to be willing to trade with the Lakers after at the last minute they spurned the the heel trade that Sacramento thought that everybody thought was a done deal? And then at the last minute, well, hold on, we're going to trade for Russell Westbrook instead. So they may have burned that trading bridge to Sacramento. So like not that De'Aaron Fox was on the table, but you can definitely get scratch that off the table now. Um, yeah, they if if they're going to go for a third star. If they have their eyes set on Beal, which was already been reported, and I think the earlier the smoke, the less the fire in the offseason. And so that's why I don't put too much stock into Beal yet. But let's say they have their eyes on Beal. They have to stick to that as much as possible because they can't have a deal done for Beal and then at the last second be like, oh, well, Brooklyn's going to give us Kyrie and Joe Harris. Like they can't burn a bridge twice in one year. It's so fascinating because – I think that the Lakers, I think everybody kind of thought that Russell Westbrook, quote unquote, coming home would be such a prominent narrative in this like ability for the team to click. 
And now just kind of processing it aloud, JC, it reminds me of the time that, you know, Dwight Howard was in town and this idea of, you know, him playing for the Lakers and how it was romanticized and yada, yada, yada. Just this idea uh, and and Paul George, right? He was linked to the Lakers in the same way. And he's then he all of a sudden he winds up with the Clippers. And he says, hey, I never I said I want to play in L.A. I didn't say I want to play for the Lakers. Right. So regardless of whether you want to debate that point, I think it's just interesting how that particular portion of the story, you know, is so prominent. Yet in reality, it kind of didn't even matter. Like, do we as fans, do we even really care about that? Like, yeah, it's kind of cool, but it's not the thing that we really care about. All we want to see is our teams win and sustainably do well. So I think no matter what Rob Palenka, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, or Russ, you know, whomever else have to say, we all know that Russell Westbrook is available. I mean, it's 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 not like the Lakers are absolutely 100%, you know, going to keep him no matter what. I forget exactly where I saw it, so, you know, if somebody can shout this out for me, I would really appreciate it. But I was floating around the Twitterverse earlier today, probably in between sets at the gym or whatever I was doing. And I sat there and said that that seems really like kind of like a douchebag line, by the way. I'm just going to call myself out on that. But I also want to highlight that I just went back to the gym, so I feel really good about it. So just wanted to clarify (laughs) that for the audience, okay? Anyway, so I saw this trade and, you know, potential trade, trade machine type of thing. And I thought it was really interesting because it had multiple parts to it. And basically it had Russell Westbrook going out and it had Taylor Horton Tucker going out and it had the Lakers taking in a lot of money in the form of Gordon Hayward and uh, Kyrie Irving. And I thought it was just a really interesting construct. And I'm looking at this and I'm just like, is this really possible? Like Terry Rozier winds up in Brooklyn with Taylor Horton Tucker, I believe it was. The Lakers get the two that I mentioned. And then you have the the uh, the Hornets getting Russell Westbrook. And I'm sure, you know, you got to attach picks, obviously, as well. But is this really a scenario that could happen? Because, you know, if that's the case, that's, that's still a very imperfect team with a lot of question marks and very little depth to it. And Gordon Hay- Hayward nor Kyrie Irving have exactly been, you know, harbingers of stability in terms of the health department. But given that what we've seen from the Lakers guards over the last, I don't even know, man, basically since Kobe retired, the idea of Kyrie Irving in a Lakers uniform is just absolutely electric in my brain right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not totally opposed to it. I know Kyrie was kind of a disaster last year in that he only played 29 games and he never really seemed to get in shape. But, I mean, there's there's a history of success. When LeBron and Kyrie were in a backcourt together, it was an unstoppable pick and roll. And they played really well together and they played off the ball really well. And I think what's going to end up being a good liner for the Lakers is one that's kind of sort of that where LeBron has played his best has been positionless. Like, like we can get into total roster construction, but like, I think the front court should be two centers. That way Anthony Davis can call himself a power forward. Like, like my ideal would be like Mo Bamba and Anthony and Anthony Davis. Then, you know, it's kind of like winning time. Whoever is the center is whoever is the one guarding Jokic or Gobert. Um, and then Kyrie and LeBron are, can both initiate the offense. They can both handle the ball. They they both don't need need the ball in their hands the entire possession. They can play off ball a little bit, whereas Russell Westbrook can't. And so, yeah, there's the history of success with, with Kyrie and LeBron and the excitement of it. And I think – what and sort of sort of what's been evident in the interviews and podcasts that Kyrie has been, appeared on lately 
he's sort of realizing how good he had it with LeBron. And that, I think, can go a long way. For someone who's uh, seemingly as philosophical, reflective, uh, sort of, you know, wants to be a, a spreader of truth as Kyrie is, I think it's it's nice to hear that he's been sort of introspective in terms of his own journey, right? There are obviously things that I have not and do not agree with him about, and I've been vocal about those things, most no, most notably the vaccination piece. I know everybody has their own opinion about that, but I just – I, th- I think he, he put his team in a really tough spot, and I know his team put him in a tough spot too, no fault of their own, but, you know, state of the world. But I know everybody has their thing for a reason, and so I think that, you know, the earth is round, and there are things that Kyrie Irving and I will never agree on, and that's okay. But in terms of the basketball player, the idea of having that type of guard, to your point, who works that well with LeBron already – and can still do so with Anthony Davis on the same team is just absolutely incredible. And I and I think that no matter what happens this offseason, right now I find it incredibly hard to believe that the Lakers' opening night lineup will include Russell Westbrook. I, I would put it at like a 20% chance. Okay, and it's not even that I'm that confident that they'll trade him. It's just that I think that they're going to explore every avenue to really try and figure out a different solution there because it was so bad last year that any connection to that construct feels like it's just going to be a huge challenge. And obviously, you'd love to have Darvin Ham have his cast of characters earlier rather than later, but it it really, to me, it doesn't even matter because that's how much they need a, a different scenery in that position. Yeah, and I think I think look at what Darvin Ham is most familiar with. He won a championship with Chauncey Billups, who's not exactly a scoring point guard. He's more of your traditional type point guard. Drew Holiday is an assistant in Milwaukee, very traditional type point guard. Um, I talked about the best the best version of LeBron is LeBron in a positionless uh, offense. That means the ball needs to continue to move hands like it did in it did in Miami, like it did in Cleveland. Russell Westbrook's a ball stopper. And I know the intention with him stopping the ball is to him eventually get to eventually get assists, but that that doesn't necessarily an efficient or motion offense make. It's just him stopping the ball because he has to have it in his in his hands. And I don't think that's the best uh, way for this team to succeed. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that about twenty percent is probably good. I think it hinges on Charlotte seems to have interest in Russell Westbrook. They were sort of embarrassed by Kenny Atkinson last weekend by him spurring, spurning their uh, their job offer. I think Michael Jordan is going to want to save face in some kind of way and make a big splashy move. And what bigger splashier move than thinking you can resurrect Russell Westbrook's career? Um, I think OKC and Houston could be potential third team partners in a trade because they have the money and they have the the draft picks and this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. 
Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I think the Lakers are going to need a third team to to make any kind of Westbrook trade work. And so, yeah, I think it's one of three destinations for Westbrook: Charlotte, OKC, or Houston. I think that's I think it's just fascinating. And I know, you know, it's just it's so it's so weird, and it's so strange that it just didn't work. Because I remember sitting here, we were sitting here talking in the off season as soon as it happened, going. You know, the chemistry should already be better. Should already be better. Seemed like everybody was excited, on the right page. We're talking pick and rolls. Just, it's still, I really have tried to be super reflective on the season as the offseason has progressed, both through the playoffs and now, obviously, since the Warriors have won the championship. Really think about, you know, what exactly went wrong and everything that went into the year itself. Beyond just the sort of flawed construct of the roster, right, trying to fill out every uh, bench spot with a 35-plus-year-old veteran. I mean, guys like Kent Bazemore and Trevor Ariza were basically useless on this team. I feel bad for Bazemore. I mean, he turned down more money from the Warriors to come to the Lakers, to be honest with you. <laughs> you can't you – <laughs> yeah. Wayne Ellington looks better on paper than in reality at this stage of his career, especially on, you know, especially on a flawed team. It's just like you can't have these types of guys. Kendrick Nunn obviously never played a game. I mean, it's just it's so. Every time the Lakers were struggling last year, you know, we sat here and said, okay, but you know, they still got Trevor Ariza, Kendrick Nunn, or Wayne Ellington, or whoever was on the sidelines, and. It's, that should have never been a conversational point with LeBron and AD and Russell Westbrook, no matter how flawed it was, you know, looking or no matter what the exact, you know, product on the court was. And so I just hope that the Lakers are really cognizant of this idea of building depth and not just depth for depth's sake, but really quality depth. I mean, the fact that DJ Augustine was brought in so late in the season and really helped to stabilize the point guard position, that's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's kind of what you need to to look at. Like I, like I, I mean, maybe he's a little too old now, even though he did play pretty well in the back half of the season. But as a as a second or thirteen point guard who can initiate the offense, yeah, I'd bring back a guy like DJ Augustine. And yeah, no, like I'm not even trying to knock on DJ Augustine. Good for him for being ready. Good for him for stepping into the moment. And he's always been that type of player, right? Whether you know, especially after he got out of some. Some of his earlier years in Charlotte, I think, when he was trying to figure out who he was as a player. But beyond that, I think he was really able to, like, figure it out. And I think that carving out that type of role in the in the league, because so many of these guys, no matter how they come into the league, right, they come in as one of the best players they've ever played against. They're highly touted, et cetera, et cetera. So to be able to carve out that role player niche in the league and and really own your role there's something to be said for that and especially you know that's why i continue to give credit to carmelo anthony for the transition that he made and he's one guy that i would bring back obviously he's got the relationship with the other guys he's an old head but he could still play 
Lakers crowd really liked him. I think he really liked the Lakers crowd. He's living in L.A. Like, where else is he going to go, you know? There's no championship contender that's like, you know what? We really need a Carmelo Anthony on this team to move forward. Like, I'm fine bringing back Carmelo, but I only want him to play 20 minutes a game. I don't want him to play 30 to 35 minutes a game like we saw some nights. That's how desperate this Lakers team was for talent on the floor. And and if you're going to build a top-heavy team of stars, you cannot be desperate like that. Yeah, totally agree. Man. All right. Well, some of the sort of, you know, so we we apologize here, guys. Some of the emotions of the season are just sort of coming out right now. It's sort of this catharsis that's happening, right? Because it's the Lakers post-mortem drip and, you know, we might need a little something, something for it, but we'll get through it. JC, we talked a lot about the potential Kyrie, but you and I chatted before the show and you said, well, don't forget about Bradley Beal. You think that's still possible? Is there still a path toward Beal? I mean, there there seems to be, but I think, like I was saying earlier, I think it's going to involve uh, a third team to kind of help with the money and and the picks. Um, the Lakers do have a 2027 and a 2029, but I think after having missed the playoffs this year and giving away their their un- their unprotected draft pick, I don't think they'll they'll do that to themselves again. Um, I mean, yeah, the chances are slim, but there's the possibility is there, but. At the same time, like, like I also said, I think the earlier the smoke in the offseason, uh, the less the fire. Um, you know, there seemed to be escalating, you know, smoke last year with the Buddy Heel thing. And it looked like it was about to go through. But then at the last second, out of nowhere, the Russell Westbrook thing happened. And so, yeah, I think uh, I think there's potential for craziness to happen, like. You know, uh, Donovan Mitchell might be on the move in, in Utah. Utah is probably going to rebuild. Um, the Russell, yeah, I mean, Houston. The Russell Westbrook thing really did happen out of nowhere. It was crazy. It really, it just like was like all of a sudden the Lakers are finalizing a trade for Russell Westbrook, and you're like, what? Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I really just think about what you said. It's it's so true. Yeah, and I mean, it, it seemed to. Like upset a lot of people. Like I'm, like I'm sure I'm sure by now Buddy Heald might be open to coming coming back to L.A. if there was a trade with the Pacers. But like he, I heard him say somewhere that like he had his bags packed. He thought he was heading to L.A. and then at the, at the last sudden he's staying in Sacramento. And so many people thought the deal was done, and other people didn't even didn't even find out for like several hours that Russell Westbrook happened, and they thought they were on their way to L.A. or they thought they were on their way to Sacramento. And I know, it's just a crazy thought, thing the way it happened. Kuzma thought he was going to Sacramento for sure. And it's and it's unfortunate the way that it happened because, you know, in retrospect, right, hindsight's always 2020, or at least it should be. You know, it turns out the Lakers were obviously making better off making literally any deal besides the one that they wound up making, let alone with Sacramento or anything else. JC, I think the path to Bradley Beal is going to be really difficult for this Lakers team. I just don't see it how it comes to fruition. I love the idea of Bradley Beal on the Lakers. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's going to be a real challenge. But I do want to bring up a team with you that I think could be a potential trade partner, who I think could be interested in acquiring Russell Westbrook, although I don't think it's at the front of their to-do list. But in the effort to sort of offset some of the monies that they're trying to get off the books, maybe they would prefer a shorter-term commitment in Russell Westbrook. And that's the Indiana Pacers. We hear all about how this team is shopping around Malcolm Brogdon, the type of point guard who I really think would do well with these Lakers. And Miles Turner, 
the type of center who, if you're going to play a two-big lineup, would really be nice to put next to AD because he's capable of actually stretching the floor, and he's an interior presence defensively. JC, why are we not hearing more about that potential destination as a Westbrook for Brogdon and Turner type of package? Do you do you think that that is something that should be you know more heavily discussed? I, I do think there's some some validity to that because, and it is one of the ones that tends to come up and then people sort of either brush off. But I think the reason why is because people can't exactly nail down what the package would be but to me i think that's kind of a good thing because they have options it seems as though it can be some sort of combination of malcolm brogdon miles turner miles turner or buddy healed like some kind of some combination of two of the three and then possibly maybe even a tj warren signing trade like thrown in there so like it seems like there's options with the pacers and so that sort of thing would need to be ironed out if it if that's who ended up trading for Russell Westbrook. I would love a healthy TJ Warren on the Lakers, but I can't emphasize enough, need him to be healthy. And there has just been very limited evidence that he can be. But I love the idea of Russell Westbrook going to the Pacers in a Brogdon for Turner type of deal. I think that's just such an interesting potential scenario. Uh, I think it would really help this Lakers team in a lot of ways. But again, I don't, I, I also just don't, know that it's good enough, right? Because we're, we're, we're sitting here evaluating the, the in a vacuum sort of realities against the Russell Westbrook reality. He just has the one year left on his deal. Is Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner good enough to sacrifice the long-term financial freedom, let's call it? And I don't know if the answer to that is yes, right? Especially if you have to attach a pig to that. I don't know if the answer to that is yes. And, and, you know, for the Lakers, I think that's really the, the hardest consideration that will drive their decision making this offseason is how do you balance the very apparent near future of the post LeBron era while still trying to compete at the highest level for a championship while you have, you know, Anthony Davis in his prime. I think balancing all of that is Rob Palenka's biggest challenge. Yeah, and again, all these moves are going to be made while LeBron seemingly hasn't really agreed to his extension yet. And so it sort of seems like they have to, the Lakers sort of have to make all these moves first and then kind of present it to LeBron and be like, huh? Huh? And then for him to give the thumbs up or thumbs down. That's very Cleveland ish. And are the Lakers, (laughs) that's, are the Lakers like ready to be compared to those Cleveland teams and that organization? Because. I don't remember the Lakers exactly begging people to sign contracts in their history. No, but I do think that there's there's one thing coming up that I think people are sort of missing, and it's you know it's 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 important to the league, it's important to LeBron, it's important to the Lakers, and it's it's when he's going to pass Kareem. He's probably going to do it next season, and I mean if he doesn't do it in a Lakers uniform, he's going to do it in a Cavs uniform. And like, if he's going to do it next season, I don't see them, you know, make, I don't see them cutting bait and trading LeBron or anything like that. If so, yeah, it's he's going to be a Laker for the, if he doesn't break Kareem's record next season, it'll be the season after that, and it'll probably be in a Lakers jersey. And so, that I think is important to the Lakers. So they'll do whatever they can to keep him. There, there is no shot the Lakers are trading LeBron. I don't care what happens. 
I will right. eat yeah. my words. I will eat a piece of paper on a podcast live on YouTube if that happens. And and it can be a small piece of paper. It can be like a post-it. But I will <laughs> I will eat I will eat at least a piece of it. Okay, and I think that's a fair consideration. Beyond just the obvious basketball impact, it's it's the business impact for me. It's the brand impact. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even going down that route. So the Lakers are going to be active, you know, throughout this offseason in trade discussions. Whether or not they any of them come to fruition is an entirely different scenario. But no matter what, the Lakers are going to be, you know, sort of boiling on a budget in free agency. And I think it's a little too early to start to try and identify potential targets because it's going to be dependent on what, you know, so much of what happens. But the offseason does move fast. And as the draft is around the corner, J.C., are you expecting anything out of the Lakers or is it going to be another one of those silent drafts for the Lakers as they move on to hopefully bigger and or better things? I mean, the only thing I hear is that they might try to buy their way into the second round and they've, you know, they found some diamonds in the rough in the second round or even undrafted in, in Austin Reeves. And so with the types of players they've been working out, like it doesn't, it doesn't seem as though it, like if Scottie Pippen goes undrafted, Scottie Pippen Jr. goes undrafted, I think the Lakers should go after a player like that. He's, um, I think, a third or fourth-year college player, and so the the players who stay that long in college tend to be come out really polished. And he's an NBA kid, and so you know he he's familiar with the league and familiar with the business. He, you know, he seems pretty good. Um, I like the idea of Sharif O'Neal. I know he hasn't done a lot in college, and he sort of has the health um, concern. But again, again, an NBA kid familiar with the league. I think he's got some talent from what I've seen. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if they'll buy the way into the second round, but I think they'll, they'll find some diamond in the rough. And I think they're going to have to, whether it's by accident or, or on purpose. I think they're going to have to in order, you know, for them to be able to move forward because at certain points they're going to have to be able to find that value, for lack of a better way to describe it. And I think that's, you know, JC, I, I'm really, I'm, I, I really hope the Lakers are able to construct whatever iteration of the team that it will be earlier rather than later, in, in not at the expense of, you know, optionality, but in in the step of direction toward direction, right? I think Darvin Ham has a very, very clear idea of what he wants this team to look like and play like. And, I, and I'm and i curious to see what the alignment of those preferences are as it relates to, you know, Rob Palenka and the front office and their decision-making. And I, that's the storyline that I'm, that I'm most intrigued by this offseason. I don't care that Anthony Davis hasn't shot a ball recently. He's doing his normal offseason routine. I want him to be healthy. I don't care if I have to put him in a glass house. I don't have, care if we have to freeze him. I don't care what we have to do to keep him healthy for training camp and for the season to start. I want LeBron to keep drinking the good red wine and tequila lobos tequila i think is his brand right and just keep (laughs) keep keep going well as long as it keeps lubricating his body and he can stay on the court i want him to keep enjoying life and i want these lakers to come back to a scenario and an environment that's renewed refreshed full of good energy and a new direction for this team and that's what i hope for this franchise yeah i mean last year i think was a huge wake-up call and hopefully they they come back healthy and motivated Hope so, man. Any final thoughts for our audience? Um, no, not that I can think of. 
the only thing that I would say is, you know, be good to each other, be kind to strangers, even if they're being a pain in the ass to you, and just hope for some beautiful and bold Lakers action as we begin the offseason. We'll be with you a little bit more regularly, and then we'll start to ramp it up as the athletes ramp it up because we got to get in shape too. For JC, I'm Ethan. You can follow him on Twitter at JCDeLeon1. Follow me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. And, of course, follow us at Ethos Lakers. And until next time, we out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.